0: Children are dismissed. Uh, children's church. Dear Lord, we thank you for all these youth, Lord, children in this building. We just ask that, Lord God, you would bless them. That, Father God, the words that they hear about you and your love for them, that, Father, we know your word doesn't return void, and we just thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, we pray protection over them. Bless those that are teaching and leading them, Lord, this morning. And, Lord, we just thank you that you inhabit the praises of your people. And, Father God, when two or more are gathered in your name, it says you are there. So Lord, we thank you that you are in our presence this morning, that you are here, Lord, working in our hearts. And Father, as we get into your word, I ask that you would open it, that we would be convicted, moved, challenged, motivated, but that, Father, we would draw close to you. I ask that you would bless this time and guard my lips and open our hearts to your word in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. So I might regret asking this, but I'm going to what's some key we're in Romans chapter 12 and 13 right now Romans 13 was we're still finishing that up as we're going to go through that but what are some things that we learned last week in regards to Romans 13 I just want to check the retention (laughs) that we have if none of you Summed up very well, yes, yes. Anything else? If it's instituted by God, right? In other words, we're to be decent human beings in a world even if the government isn't being decent or laws are in place for the lawless, right? So in other words, we're, we're not supposed to speed. We're not supposed to you know, give a friendly hand gesture out the window when someone cuts us off. We're not supposed to you know, cheat and lie on our taxes. We're not supposed to break the law right? We're not supposed to do certain things. We're to live a godly life and to be a light in the world, right? We talked about how Romans chapter 13 in the beginning was one of the most misquoted scriptures and twisted scriptures throughout the world and in history where to, you know, these dictator totalitarian governments would come in and twist that and say, hey, you're a Christian. It says all government, but in the context, we learn what Paul was talking about. This was in a time when Emperor Nero was there and he's a horribly bad person and later burned down Rome and blamed the Christians for it. But in the midst of this, you had some isolated persecution that was happening through Rome. And not only that, you had the church of Rome who had Gentile and Jewish believers that instead of working together, were fighting. Just like it happens in the world today, right? And so as we are called to be Christians, we are held to a higher standard. In other words, we're held to the word of God. We are to live as if Christ is living through us. That is how we are to live. It does, that means we're not to repay evil for evil and that's pretty hard to do, right? We all like justice unless it's served at our table, right? So we are to live different and I believe it's impossible to do that if we continue to put more of a focus on the things of the world instead of what we're supposed to focus on, which is the word of God. Everything you need to navigate your life in this world, from relationships to finance to decision-making to, to how to go from this state to another, whatever it is, there is so much information in the Word of God, it says he's given us everything we need. But yet, a lot of the times, we, oh, well, that's just a good thought. You know, that's just a good moral way to live. See, the problem is we don't want to be Christians, and I, and I believe real Christians are known by What? So everyone that professes to say they're a Christian is, doesn't, yeah, they'll have fruit, right? It's kind of like this, if I worked at the door of Costco and you came in and I had my Costco badge on and I was not giving you good customer service, do I represent all of Costco? Yes, I do with the badge, but it doesn't mean that I am presenting Costco the way that they're supposed to be presented, right? It's the same with Christians. I mean, I made it really simple, but think about it. A lot of people are really good at knowing the word as it puffs them up. But when it really comes to serving and loving, that's where the trial really begins to take place. So if you notice in the world, they'll always say, well, Christians are this. They say all these things. Don't even worry about arguing with that. And we see it more with media and Facebook and everything else. There's a wrong, definitely a truly wrong representation of Christianity in the world. And the devil loves it. There's a lot of people who think they understand what Christianity is and they have no clue. They only take what they see and they say that's what, if God allowed that, that must be who he is, right? But just like in the days of Rome and the same it is today, we all have individual choices to make in whom we will serve. And every day you get to wake up and breathe air into your lungs is a day and a gift that God has given you to make a difference and to be different in a good, healthy way. And in the midst of that, in serving him, we find that a lot of the things that we want fulfillment, it comes through him. There's something to be said about waiting patiently upon the Lord, amen? And these early Christians, Paul is writing to encourage them, to give them comfort, one, to get along and work together, but also, hey, don't draw attention to yourself, because we know that gets right on TV, doesn't it? People who drive through abortion clinics in the name of God not Christian. In throughout history, people who said they're doing things in the name of God, not Christian. Hitler said he was doing things in the name of God, and we know that was not Christian. Slave owners did things in the name of God that was not Christian, right? You even had Thomas Jefferson who liked the idea of God but wanted to remove the the miraculous from him, from the Word of God, and remove Jesus from it and just take his teachings. So you know what he did? He cut up the little Bible, his own version, and cut all the miracles out. That is not Christian, right? People want to remove what they don't like, but the Word of God is, turn with me to, this is a scripture that you can memorize for yourself. It's one that's good to have on the fridge. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The word of God gives us what we need. Amen. And so as we go and navigate these times even in the way that we live now we are truly blessed we're still blessed as a nation even though we might not like the way things are going god is in control amen so as we continue go turn with me now to romans chapter 13. we're going to be in the back side of that and as we go there you're going to pull over to romans chapter 13 We're going to be in verses eight, but I'm going to say this just a little beginning because it's one of the main keys out of Romans chapter 12. It says, do not repay anyone evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. Right. So who are you mainly concerned about? You're not just concerned about your own, but also how it appears to others. You're concerned about other people. Right. Sometimes that's hard when we have trials that we're going through that seem overwhelming. It's like, how in the world can I think about someone else when I'm in this situation that I'm in? And we're going to get through that and see here. So it says, as far as it is possible, as far as it depends on you to live at peace with everyone. So that is something we can keep in our mind as we continue to read in Romans 13. We are to live at peace with everyone, and we're to do good instead of evil to someone that has harmed us. Does anyone remember what cursing is in, this tr- in actual translation of what we were talking about? It's not just saying a bad word, that's more like, do you remember from last week? What is it to curse? To speak ill about someone. That's not what comes to mind when it says, do not curse. That's in our mind, we're like, well, I'm not going to say bad words. That would say, let not unwholesome words come out of your mouth, that would be in that. But when it's speaking here, curse, it says, if someone is speaking bad about you, you don't have to go back and speak bad about them, get it? We're supposed to be mature enough and to know that, hey, let God defend you. You can speak the truth, but it's also where your motivation is behind it, amen? How many of you know when we hear something negative about someone and we've never met them, what's the first thing you're gonna think about when you see that person you've never met? It's not really fair, is it, right? How many of you, if if I asked any of them, how many of you have been misrepresented in your life? We could probably all raise our hands, right? So as Christians, we are to be different. So in Romans chapter 13, we're picking up in verse eight, it says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The commandments do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and what other commandment there may be are summed up in this one rule, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does not harm, does no harm to its neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this understanding the present time, the hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than we first believed. The night is nearly over and the day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies or drunkenness, not in sexual immorality or debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ Do and do not, do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. See, Paul, who is understands and sees the threat that is happening to the church in this time and it is leading up these persecutions were harsh they weren't like someone just mocking them they were being severely persecuted killed these things were taking place and paul is telling these christians hey wake up we're not supposed to be like the world now why do you think the church struggled so much at this time with being like the world What was the big struggle one sin can be pleasurable sure we also know that hey you get yourself into something that you have to do every day and it becomes this habitual habit that you know isn't healthy it's kind of hard it gets a hold of you it grabs a hold of you so a lot of these early christians were coming out of judaism right And so it was easy for them to go back to their old ways because it was form, it was ritual, it was easy for them to do the same in and out every day. I know if I just do this, just tell me what to do. I'll show up at this time and I'll do this and I'll do my good deeds and then the rest of the time is mine, right? It was easy. That's why religion is is false in a way. It's like, hey, I'm going to put my best look on and go and do this, but inside you're not changing. We're not letting the word change us. It doesn't matter what people see so much in the sense you know where you are if you're allowing God, if you're growing in your maturity with Christ. To those around you, you might seem very mature. And we're going to learn the difference in between maturity and weak in faith as we continue into Romans chapter 14. But as we look at it, think about it here. We, we, we're seeing these people. I took my glasses off. Now I can't see. <laughs> Keep forgetting that. We're seeing these Christians struggle, and Paul, you're like, well, this is a church, and he's saying, yeah, there shouldn't be any indecent drunkenness or orgies or sexual immorality because the church was, the Gentile version, or group at this time, was coming out of paganism, which this was very much part of their ritual practices. So they're going home to family members that are participating in these type of things, and they don't know how to decipher, should I go this way or should I go that way? And that's where the Holy Spirit and the conviction comes in. You see, if you become a Christian, you don't have to know the Bible in its entirety. It's not an intellectual thing. Something begins to change in your heart, and you begin to be sensitive, and you begin to experience God either removing some burdens from you, or you're praying, or you're seeking, and you're getting these these moments of confirmation in your life through the Word, and these things are taking place, and you're beginning to grow, and then there's decisions to be made. How much do you want to grow are you going to stay? And religion will say, hey, just do this and this, and you're good to go. But true faith, true walking as a Christian, where the fruit comes, is when you begin to change and we yield to him and not ourselves. And sometimes it's, it's diff- it will always be difficult. But true peace of mind is when your conscience knows that you've done everything as you can to submit to God, willingly. You don't need a badge for it. You don't need to get a hooray for it. You do it because you're beginning to experience His nature and His character through your word, and you're beginning to see Him work in your life. Oftentimes, I challenge you and I ask you to pray and ask for a divine appointment, someone to talk to, and and I ask and encourage you to do that for a reason, because if you do and you make that time for the Lord in your life, you begin to experience Him in a new way, that will help strengthen your faith. And you could be in church your entire life, but you know if you're playing religion or walking in truth. You know if you are or not. I don't know. It's up to you. Where are you in your your faith? Are you offended in the right way when you see things that you know are offensive to God? Does it offend you? Or do you participate in them? Is there a distinct difference? We're all gonna make mistakes but it's a habitual lifestyle of choosing one way while professing something else. And I believe in, a, in small ways, we could all be guilty of that because we're a work in progress. But there's a, there is definitely a defining point in your walk if you wanna know, well, why don't I hear from God? Well, it says that unconfessed sin could keep us from hearing from God. It, it turns, it, it, he's not gonna hear if we're gonna willfully hold on to things that dishonor him. That could be attitude of mind, the way you're thinking, past hurts unforgiveness it's not just the the blanket sins that i talk about like drugs and alcohol and these other things that darken our senses and our mind no it could be your character things in your life that you know aren't right and you're not willing to change what does stubbornness do it begins to destroy us from within and it's a horrible way to be so he's encouraging them not to live this way and he's saying to love your neighbor as yourself because there's nothing worse than when the whole world's falling apart and the very people who are supposed to be unified are fighting. Now, what is unity in that sense? One, we're going to get into that in 14, so I'm not going to go down there at all. One is to understand that we're all forgiven and that your brother and sister in Christ are also forgiven. And the grace you receive is the grace that you should give. So when it says to love your neighbor and the fulfillment of the law, think about how hard is there, have you guys, Did you guys know that the, the Jewish Talmud is also a book written on how to fulfill the law? It's more than Ten Commandments. It would be a hard life to even try. And even Jesus said this sums up the law when he speaks about it, is to love your neighbor as yourself. What does that mean? Give me some practical ways of what that means. Hmm? Don't gossip. That's very true. Amen. And probably not listen to gossip. That's harder. Right. We might not gossip, but we're like, well, I want to pr- I, I shouldn't say anything, but I, I think I just want to let you know so you can pray for them. That's still gossip. Right. What else? Treat others how you want to be treated. That's a huge one. Right. Now, let's look at that for just a second. To treat others how we want to be treated. We all say that, but then if we catch ourselves being off, you'll go, oh, I wouldn't want to be treated. This is how I look and view things. When someone is being, I didn't used to do this. I've gotten a lot better, probably more so in the last five or six years. As you know, I used to have a big anger issue or just anger problems. I didn't like people getting away with things. I felt like I always had to be, you know, faith and justice, and I wanted to deal with bullies my way, right? That was all this, but now I think when I see things, I can look at and view things that way, or when someone is acting irrational and saying horrible things. This is how I look at it now. What happened to them? They didn't start that way. That person screaming on the side of the street didn't start there that is someone's daughter or someone's son brother or sister how did they get there what happened in their life that broke them down so much that there is no restraint is it all organic mental illness or is it drug related i don't know but what harmed them what broke their soul because jesus died for them I say this to me so that I realize where I'm at. We are in a spiritual war. I can take offense and want to tune. That's not going to help anything. That doesn't help anything. In fact, that makes the devil happy. But if I sit back and go, God, what? give me a heart for these people, for this situation. What's happening? Give me a heart. If you ask God to soften your heart, he will. He'll let you see things or understand things that maybe you aren't ready to do. But when you're really ready to have your heart soften with the things that breaks his, it is a good healthy place to be because you view people differently. You view the current climate of the situation and the politics and the world. You view through the eye that we live in, a world that lies in wickedness. Did you know that? That's what the Bible says. The world lies in wickedness. I mean, that's clearly what it says. We live in a world that, because the heart is desperately wicked, it also says who can know it. The world, the whole world in 1 John 5, 19 says, it lies in the way of the wickedness. In other words, people's hearts, as much as they wanna do good, eventually will always come back to self-serving and self-seeking, and it's gonna continue that way. This idea that we can all get along and everything's gonna be perfect, that's a great idea, but it can't when sin's involved. And the only thing that deals with sin is the cross and Jesus. That's the only thing. And you go, well, how do we deal with people that don't believe? Hey, in the the Bible, it's really clear. It it says that we live in the world. We're not supposed to be of the world. But remember, when this is written, it's written to people who are professing Christians. These letters were written to Christians. Christians. The people in the world that don't know Jesus and they say horrible, blasphemous things, and they, like, if a Satanist comes up, and I I would have no problem talking to a Satanist because at least they believe in something. I'd rather talk to a Satanist than an atheist because an atheist will say, absolutely, there's nothing. We're just matter. There's nothing, all right? But if you talk to someone that's in the occult, and I'm not, I'm just saying, they're at least open to something, and it's actually hinged upon good and evil. So I can say, well, why do you believe that? Why do you think that? Where do you get your information at? And most of the time, a lot of their belief system is founded or hurt because they were hurt in some type of Christian situation. Or someone let them down, right? And in that, they built this hatred because if, as in the world today, a Satanist would say, well, we're not really, we're just a religious organization for atheists. We don't really believe in the devil. We just want it. We're just mad at churches, and we should have the same rights that they do, right? If you ask, but then if you really look and you dig deep, that's exactly what Anton LaVey said, is that the greatest lie they ever, the enemy ever said is to get, pe- or get people to believe that he doesn't exist. And then he can, you know, lie. That's just it. Think about it. There's a lot of people in church who don't believe the devil exists. There's a lot of people that think, hey, I'm here because I feel good, I like the community. I like hanging out, but inside, you got to ask yourself, you can't even understand the word of God if you don't have him in your life because it says it's spiritually discerned. The real growing process is coming to Christ as a child and you're and humbly dependent, and say, God, I need you in my life. I'm tired of doing things my way. I want to know and have hope in this world that seems hopeless because the most dangerous thing we have in this world is hopelessness. And there's a lot of people in this world that don't understand what Christianity is. And there's a lot of Christians that are too busy doing, playing religious games with themselves on what God can do for them and all this. And they're not even making an opportunity to meet the need. And that's where you're going to grow and experience God the most. I mean, truthfully, it's not that God doesn't care about our personal situations or our trials. But it does mean that for you to be able to say, God, I'm gonna trust that my current struggle will be taken care of as I seek you. And Lord, if I can be positive or encourage or pray for someone, show me where and show me how. Some of you are in the education system. You need to be prayed for. You're a light in the world right now that is dark. Not all of the teachers, I'm not speaking about the teachers, but the curriculum is dark. It's dark, it doesn't mean you have to be dark. You get to be a light in the darkness, amen? You guys got really quiet with that, think about it. Am I wrong? I'm not, I mean, the the world system, bless their heart. Where they're at, that's, they gotta, we are to be a light. It was darker in Rome, trust me, than it is in America right now. But it is getting dark. It's important to know who you know and who you are in Christ. Who are you? What do you believe? Who do you, what do you stand for? Because there may come a time, there will come a time, when out of pure principle you can go, I'm I, sorry, I choose to follow God over man. And that's okay. There's thousands of Christians who did it before we did. Now I want to encourage you because this is it. Who's overcome the world? Jesus, when his disciples were upset, what did he say? What did they say? They were upset because he was leaving. They didn't understand that they were going to get the Holy Spirit. And when he says, do not worry, I do not give as the world gives, right? He overcomes the world. What he gives is that true inner peace, that life that we have that comes from him. He gives us that. Not like the world gives, where we're going to have troubles and trials and tribulation, but he gives something different, an inner peace, how many of you know what that inner peace feels like right sometimes you experience it and then you might go through another battle and you're like what's going on but he's still moving and working we have that opportunity every day is an opportunity to seek and to say to seek after the lost and to to seek the Lord amen back in Romans as we're back in 13, and we're looking at it, it says, going into 14, and do, and do this understanding the present time, the hour has come. So when he's talking about slumber, in other words, they were just being religious, they were not working, they were not doing, they were not anticipating that the Lord would return. In other words, it's like, hey, you know, and, and what is one of the lies the enemy has? The Lord, it says, the Lord is not slow concerning his promises, as some count slowness, but is long suffering wanting what? all to come to repentance and the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So even here in this earlier time, people were like, well, when's he coming? I don't understand. Why are we, going to, why are we allowed to go through this hard stuff right now? We, they were struggling. A lot of the churches were struggling with that, right? And he says, hey, every day, this is it. You don't need to worry when Jesus returns. When you stop breathing, you're gonna be there, right? So why worry about something that... You, you don't well it's the end days hey then you better make every move count you better make every day a great opportunity right what's the most important thing you can do spread his word right what's the mo- i mean for yourself to know him right jesus even said in the last days many will say hey we did all these great things all these great programs for you We went and did this, we built this and we did all these great things in your name and we stood there and we got our photo taken and everything was wonderful. And he says, yeah, depart from me because I didn't know you. Now that seems harsh, doesn't it? The religious leaders of the time who knew the word very well did not want to accept the Messiah because it came in the most humble way possible as a baby and didn't give them the triumphal overcoming the Roman empire like they wanted even though they had the scripture that said how he would come they chose their own way over god's way right even in the garden the very first sin was that lie that was to call into question god's goodness and his faithfulness how many trees were in the garden two right the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil what's the tree that god said do not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And what does the devil do? He comes in and he says, hey, did he really say that? You're just overreacting. If he gave you all this, why wouldn't he just just take a taste? It's not a big deal. Everyone takes a taste here and there, right? And that very lie that it was the lie that God is not a God of his word. See, the devil knows if he gets you to question God's word and his faithfulness, he'll get you, he'll get a foothold and he'll hold you. He'll have you look at all the Christians that profess with no fruit and you'll think that that's who Christ and Christians are. You have no idea of who he truly is because you have to trust him when you can't always see the way. That's the hard part. In the garden, that opportunity, that moment that they had, he gave them a free will and a choice to choose. And when Eve took it, and I'm not picking on her, I think it was just a play, because the devil knew if he could get to the woman, he can definitely get to the man. He's going to do exactly how it went. And when it went down, then they blame shifted, and they blamed everything else, and they didn't even take responsibility. The very first moment that sin that sin entered, that, oh, it's his fault, their fault, that problem, that problem, this is why the, this, it's everybody else but me and there we go see they had the knowledge of good and evil but not the power to do it we knew right and wrong but not the power to live it there's christians that know right and wrong but they're not walking in the power to live it sometimes it takes persecution and hardships and things will the church grows all the entire church in christianity grew through the harshest persecution that's supernatural in itself but even you in your life, you might know, but God says, hey, yield to me. Let me guide you and, and, and give that thing to me, that pain to me, that hurt to me, that addiction to me, and let me work through you to change you so that you can live a whole life to the full, right? Jesus came to give life, not to condemn the world. He came to give life sin condemns wrath of God that's already started against the sin and the stubbornness of man that's in effect it doesn't matter it's which side are you wanting to play on where do you want to go will determine the outcome in your outcome in your life it's not your parents fault your job's fault your shortcomings fault it does you can blame that we're in a fallen world everyone's to blame but what are you going to do about it for you you're going to put it all on your spouse to make the changes are you going to change is it someone else? Because you know what? When we say it's always someone else's situation, that, that's the most stubborn we can be. Wisdom is, hey, how much of this is true? Even if it's someone you don't like, you should be, they should be able to criticize and say something to you. And even though no one likes criticism, you should be able to go home and look in the mirror and go, God, is some of that true? Will you reveal it in me? Just like David said, Lord, create in a clean heart in me. Renew a spirit in me. Show me where I'm off. Show me so that I can make adjustments. That's what we need to do as Christians. Every day is an opportunity to grow, right? And in this, he's telling them to encourage them, one, because of the persecution that's ramping up, but also so that they would get along. Just as Jesus said, how will they know that you are my disciples by your love for one another? And as we continue, as you read through 13, and we're going to be in 14 next week, We're supposed to behave decently. So I want to look at something that Jesus brings this out in a perfect example when Peter blew it. Okay, so turn with me to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. Sorry, John 21, just checking. John 21. I love this because I... I kind of feel like I identify with Peter. He was very impulsive and impetuous. If you don't know what that is, sometimes you do things without thinking first or you don't think about the consequences you just do, right? That's me. I do that. I'm better now because you're supposed to get better when you're older. You're supposed to know things. You're supposed to have a notepad and write that stuff down so you don't keep doing it, right? So I love this. Now, hear it. This is John, right? So we're going to learn a little bit about his character too. Jesus reinstates Peter, starting in verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, <clears throat> "Sorry, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these?" "Yes, Lord," he said. "You know that I love you." Now, if you don't know the backstory, Jesus Peter cuts the ear off guard. I'm the ba- I'm going to basically I'm totally paraphrasing. I'm the guy, right? I will never turn. I will never renounce you. I will be that guy to the best of my ability. You don't have to worry about it, Jesus. I got your back. Totally paraphrased. He blows it. Not only does he blow it, Jesus says the cock's going to crow three times and you're going to deny me three times. Not like just once, like, oops, I kind of know. Like, you're going to do it three times. So he does it three times. And on the third time... Maybe Jesus came through the corridor and looked right at him. I don't know, but he heard the cock crow and then it reminded him of what Jesus said. And can you imagine how bad he would feel? Now you're not a man of your word. Your word is nothing. You let down the Savior, right? In his mind, he blew it. There's no restoration for that. I denied you three times. One time, maybe, oh, I don't know, but three times. And tradition has it the third time was when he was by a fire with a teenage kid maybe a girl or something was there and they were all warming their hands by the fire and this girl says I saw you with Jesus you were with him and he says no I wasn't I don't know who you're talking about getting all defensive another sign that he totally is that person super defensive and then he starts cursing at the girl like shut up who knows what he said but it was bad enough and then Jesus at that moment he denies Here's Jesus coming. This is the, the Lord to us. Think about this. When we screw up and make mistakes, this is Jesus to us. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs, right? Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep, right? The third time he said it to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, right? Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted to. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me, which Peter did was martyred. So he's saying this to him, prophetically speaking, hey, we've got this out of the way. I revealed to you your shortcomings, but that's okay. I got you feed my sheep get back in place get back in line do what i've called you to do right peter turned and saw that the disciples whom jesus loved was following them this was the one who had leaned back against jesus at supper and had said lord who is going to betray you when peter saw him he asked lord what about him this is john the gospel of john right the one that he's saying john's writing this about himself So imagine, he's writing this about Peter too, and he says, Peter turned and saw that disciple whom Jesus loved. Well, I'm glad you put yourself in it like that, John. Or you you notice when they ran to the tomb, he had to say who got there first. You following? They're people like me and you, right? They have good days, they have bad days. See, it's when we recognize that We want to have the right days. The good days comes from being right with him. If you're not growing in your walk, then you're going backwards. You're becoming stagnant. I don't know if you are, I hope you are, but it should go beyond these walls, amen? So here it goes. Then he turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. And this is what he had leaned back against Jesus at the supper. And he had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the brothers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, I want him to remain alive until I return. What is that to you? Do you see the bickering that's kind of taking place? See, even the disciples who walked with Jesus saw these miraculous things, but you know what? They didn't have the power of the Holy Spirit at that time to change. They knew the truth and they had to accept Christ, but it was the Holy Spirit who came and empowered them to live. The same empowerment that can happen in our lives if we want it to, by yielding and submitting. That helps us face the toughest storm, right? The toughest trial. It's like, and why why did I mention that story? Because think about it. Here you have two people and Peter instead, he just was forgiven. He denied Christ three times. We didn't hear that about John, but let's be fair. None of them were there except for the women at the crucifixion. So where were all the strong men then? And who did Jesus reveal himself to first? The women. And when they came and told the men, what happened? The men said, you guys are crazy, basically, right? Right? Doesn't that show our human heart? But God in his faithfulness reveals to him and he says to Peter, and this is what the Lord would say to us today. We in our walk with God or whatever, we wanna stop comparing and that's exactly what Peter did. You just told something specifically about me and serving you and I just told you again, I'm gonna do that and I love you three times. But instead I'm like, but what about him? What's his ration? And Jesus is like, what does that matter to you? You get how quick the mind changes? Well, it's not fair. Is the world fair? Right? It doesn't I wish it was. But it's not. It's fair when you look at it through Christ because in eternity, none of that matters. It's who you serve. Choose you today who you will serve. Amen. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Will you serve him? Will you serve him? Will you seek him? Will you give him that hurt, the pain? I say that because a lot of our hindrances is we think everything's on feelings, and I don't feel like this. A lot of you didn't feel like coming to church. Some of you don't feel like working with someone. But if you notice, a lot of the time, that's where the greatest things take place. Feelings are not our guide. The word is. And how you represent christ to your fellow brother and sister in christ to your fellow worker people working for you and all those things are very important because you are held to a higher standard if you are a christian amen did i give you too much information so as we get ready to go into next week we learn the key principles of Romans chapter 13 12 and 13 living sacrifices work together love covers a multitude of sin we'll talk about that some next week when we look into it but as we go forth in this know this that Jesus Christ is the author and the finisher of our faith and there's encouragement in that wherever you are in your walk God is beginning to work in you and that renewed mind comes by the you meditating upon his word amen would you stand with me as we get ready to pray Lord, it says that a tree is known by its fruit, and Lord God, we want to have fruit in our life. We want to display that difference, Lord God. We don't want to be a dog in a dog-eat world, Lord. We want to be servants for you. We want to be a light in the darkness. Lord, I pray that everyone that is here this morning, that Lord, as we even leave this place, that you would begin to reveal to us in ways that we can be a light in this world. And Lord, in areas that we're struggling in our walk with you, that Father, you would just Help us navigate through your word and understand that, Lord God, you work all things together for the good to those who love you. It says that, Father, and we don't walk after the flesh. Lord, you have given and made a way for us. Help us know when we're choosing that flesh path over the spirit. For those who are not unclear in what that is, that, Lord, you would reveal it to them. That you would bring that conviction. And so, Father, that we can grow together in a a deeper understanding of who you are and be a light in this community. Take this community for you, Lord, and be a light in the darkness. So, Father, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for everyone that is here. And that, Father, as we leave this place, may we go out with the sole purpose to glorify you. Not to take offense upon everything, but that, Lord, to truly seek and look at an opportunity to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. And God, all God's people said, oh, you already did it. Did you already say it? Amen. We're here to pray for you if you would like prayer. May you go and be a blessing.